Welcome to the Modern Day Dads Podcast, a podcast about dads for dads where no topic is off limits and will never sugarcoat a damn thing. Each week, we explore the life of dads and talk about topics other dads don't want to talk about. Now, here's your host, James Puff Palmer and Daniel Franco. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Modern Day Dads Podcast with your hosts, Puff and Daniel. Hey, everybody. How's it going? We've got a special treat for you guys today. Look who's in the house. We have the original Biker in Black, BMX legend, rock star, actor, single parent, and all-around badass Rick Thorne. How's it going, Rick? Hey, what up, dude? You didn't mess up the intro. I know. I thought I was going to, man. Hey, first off, I want to say happy belated Uh, birthday, dude. Thanks, dude. I just turned 29 plus 20. (laughs) (laughs) You don't look a day over 18, brother. You look a hell of a lot better than us. No, you guys look good. Come on now. You know, hey, it's BMX. It's the fountain of youth. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. Because you're always thinking of bike tricks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Athletes of all, you know, all sports, like football players, for example. I don't know if you watch football, but football players later in life are just like, they're aching everywhere in their body. Do you have any of that? No, I don't. What I've learned, well, okay, let me, let me put it to you like this. I take no pain medicine. I take no Advil, no Tylenol. I very rarely get headaches. I very rarely get sick. I have about 80%, maybe 85% of flexibility still in my body. And what a lot of it boils down to is mind is the mind, I, when you get addicted to painkillers, you're not dealing with the issue, you're stuffing it, it numbs the pain. Mm-hmm. Emotional pain is a lot more uh, gnarlier than the physical pain because our bodies are actually really tough. It's just, I learned that the mind controls the body, the body doesn't control my mind. So I'm able to overcome like, like it's, it's the art of like accepting pain, or not even like, it's the art of accepting pain, like acknowledging it, accepting it, and working through to push the pain out with a lot of massage therapy, hmm. a lot of like techniques that I've learned through the years. So yeah, right on, man. I, I'm actually the same way. I, I refuse to take pills. Anything your body doesn't make for the most part, I try not to take. Oh, I guess beer doesn't really well, fall mean, on that. I but mean, beer works. I mean, <laughs> like beer, it's like anything good. like that, anything that your body doesn't create, like to deal with headaches and pain like that, then I, I don't take it. I just, well, I'll deal with it. Well, because like, yeah. it's, a me- it's a mental thing. It's a mentality. Yeah, it is. And we live in a society where it's like, take a pill, lose weight. Take a pill, uh, uh, grow your hair back. Take a pill, get all your vitamins. Take a pill, take your pain away. Like, it's, it, if you really dig deeper into like Eastern medicine, mm-hmm. which is a lot of like, you know, uh, dealing with the issues at hand that lie. And a lot of it, I'm telling you, is a, the emotional stress and pain is way gnarlier on your body mm-hmm. than the physical. Not to say that, that, you know, people don't get hurt and people get sick and stuff like that, which they do, but our society's kind of geared towards that. You know what I mean? Like, take this pill and all your problems will go away. Mm-hmm. Go to the doctor and he'll just, won't tell you really how to get rid of it. He'll just give you medicine to numb it and you just got to go back, get more medicine, go back. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. My, my right. brother's you a know? chiropractor and, and his is uh, treat the source, not the symptoms. And that's the whole thing, like with, like you said, that kind of the treatment verse. They treat, like, what's causing it, not how to you know numb the pain or numb the uh, symptoms and well that's and what really prescription drugs awesome. do yeah. yeah it's this is i ended on this is kind of like a weird analogy but like if you have termites you just don't spray around your house you got to go inside the house get to the core to get rid of it and it's the same with like your body like you people deal with things growing up as a kid or things you hold on to or subconsciously things that you mm-hmm. might wait that can weigh you down and then that's what you had to really face yourself i mean i did that i'm just saying like i don't 
by any means think I'm any better. I just started to study it in a different way because I wanted to ride forever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I still do. Like I, I was going to say, you have been riding forever, man. I do, but man, That's... I never feel like I'm even started, but it's a trip. That's you know great. what I mean? So, yeah. so pretty much what he's saying, Daniel, is suck it up. Is what he's saying. I, I don't take anything. I deal with it. You should suck it up, man. He's projecting right now. Puff is projecting. projecting. I'm not happy with that puff. Puff is projecting like a mug. Don't be throwing shade at me, feller. <laughs> How many kids do you have, Rick? I have two. I have uh, a 10-year-old, and my daughter's going to be 12 this Wednesday. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. That's crazy. Yeah. And my situation's pretty cool, bro, because like, I'm not the part-time dad. You know, because I mean, I meet dads before, you know, and they'll say like, oh, I got a daughter, and she's 16, and... Blah, blah, blah. That was cool. When's the last time you saw her? And it's like, oh, I ain't seen her in a couple of years. It's like, I'm, and it's unfortunate because in some cases, you know, everybody's story is different. You know what I mean? But in my case, I had my kids more for years. I'm talking like 75%. And out here, you know, uh, I'm, I've been living in California for like 20 something years, but I don't have much family. I don't have any family out here. And I've been single. Mm-hmm. I purposely stayed single. So I've raised my kids myself. And I did that on purpose because I didn't grow up with dad. My dad left. Me okay. and my sister. Okay. And, and no sob story. I've worked through all of that shit in my life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the reality is, is that I wanted to give my kids what I didn't have. Of course. Because, you know, relationships take work. Mm-hmm. It's a responsibility. And, and I wanted to devote my 100% responsibility to raising them and giving them what I didn't have and teaching them what my mom taught me. And, and I did that the completely, you know, it's not, you know, because I have like... 50 girls at my, you know, knocking on my door all the time. I had to like say, leave, you know what I mean? Damn you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but, but, but I, like, I took like 49 girls. I know I talk I'm a good lot. With one. <laughs> I, if I talk too much, cut me off. But I'm just saying that like, I took that initiative to take the role because I wanted to break that cycle. Of course. You know what I mean? Of course. And I just like, fuck it. Like this dude, can I cuss? Yeah. Okay, I was like, fuck it. Like be, be what, don't be your example. You know what I mean? Just try, try. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was me, dude. That probably might, might have been one of those girls hit me up. There you go. Okay, here we Proof's go. in the pudding right here. Oh, here we go. Sorry. Proof's in the puff. No, I'm kidding. So, I'm qu- kidding. Question, I'm Rick. You know, do you have any nicknames for your kids, and, and, and where do they come from? K-Dog. Okay, his name's Kenter, but I call him K-Dog. Because we were playing basketball, and I was like, it's two seconds left. The Lakers, K-Dog shoots. And then we just stuck. And then <laughs> Natalie's my daughter's name, and I just call her Nat. But it's just like, you know. But then when I like get mad at them, I call them by their full name. Kenter Daniel Thorne. <laughs> oh, I do that too. When when Aiden's in trouble, he gets the he gets the full name. Yeah, the daughters totally get the full names. Absolutely. Well, there's yeah, and there's a bunch of other names I could say too, but I hold it in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you should. You should. Sometimes. You should listen to the last podcast. We talked about freakouts. Oh um, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. We, everybody has them. Come on. So does, uh, would you say being in the limelight affects them in any way? And if so, how do you shield them from the limelight? I didn't tell them anything that I did. Like when they were growing up, they figured it out on their own. Mm-hmm. I didn't say, oh, look, I'm in this video game. Come play me. Play your dad in the video game. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I, wasn't, I, don't, I didn't brag to them, my kids. It wasn't until my daughter was probably in like fifth grade, mm-hmm. maybe. She came and she goes, dad, were you in a movie? Because I didn't want to like have them like, I don't know. I just felt weird bragging about shit to my kids. Sure. And so I just taught them to work hard at what they like to do. And now they're starting to like, they totally get it now, mm-hmm. but they, they, they get, they get it, but they don't like most people don't get when you, you say you ride a bike for a living. They're like, what? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. But I didn't tell them all the stuff I did not man. I don't know. I just felt like it was like something that I felt like they're going to choose their own path. 
mm-hmm. and then maybe like when they face like a, a, a struggle or some something they had to overcome, mm-hmm. I could pull it out of my bag and go, look, this is what I won, but I didn't give up on my shit that I did and blah, blah, blah. I didn't want to put pressure on them to try to walk in my shoes. Right. You know, but, but at the same time, not to sit on the couch. But you also you know set, I mean? set up a legacy for them too, for them to follow. Yeah. I don't, if, they de- if they decide to. I don't even think they realize it. Because I haven't ever. And they won't until they're a little bit older, and they yeah. really start seeing it. It's going to hit home, and mm-hmm. it's it's they're going to truly at that point appreciate everything you did and everything you sacrificed for them. Which yeah. is, I mean that that's that's the day. I, I know I've I've had that with my dad where I, it just hit me one day, and I, I called him and thanked him. Yeah. Thanked him for everything he sacrificed for all of us and everything he did and all the advice that we thought were was BS and he was just being a dick. <sighs> And it really, it was for something. And, yeah, no, it always is. It always, then, and, and like my daughter, she, and that's awesome that you did that. I mean, my, my daughter, you know, she can't get out of the water. So I'm at that age where I'm like, yo, you got to start thinking about what you want to do with your life. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, I'm a kid. I said, that's the best time. You don't have any bills. You don't have any responsibility. Oh, yeah. You could try a bunch of different shit. And if you don't like it, go, mm, I tried that on dad's tab. He pushed me, but I didn't like it. Or this, you know what I'm saying? Like, the next. I'm, I'm down with it. Mm-hmm. So she can't get all the water. So I said, you should surf. I'll put you in surf lessons. You should surf. She goes, what do you mean? I go, well, right well, I know every, I know this world for one. Hello. And then I said, you know, not the surf world, but all, all of it's connected. Mm-hmm. BMX, moto, all of it's skate, all of it. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, imagine if you toured the world and you got paid to surf and you didn't have to pay to go there. Someone else paid for it. And like... I go, think about things because you light up in the ocean and you never want to leave. So I'm starting to do that with them. Right. Not so much like, people ask me all the time, like, does your son ride? I'm like, no. They're like, oh, man. I'm like, dude, I'm not like, like, I think about when I was a kid and people were telling me not to ride mm-hmm. and go do some other shit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck you. At my son's age, right? And no, I'm serious. And so, and then I was like, I was like, if I would have listened to them, I wouldn't be here. So I can't push my kid to do something he don't want to do. Right. Because I already lived it. Mm-hmm. I think those are the dads that, that didn't, no disrespect, but didn't make it. And they're trying to live through their kids something that they didn't get. Live through them vicariously. But since yeah. I lived mm-hmm. mine, I'm like not trying to push like, hey, you know, you want to. It's kind of funny because my son plays football. I'm like, damn, we used to fight the football players and shit. <laughs> <laughs> like they hated us, dude. And now I'm like, I'm like sitting at these and I support them 100 percent. But I've actually learned the game of football through him because I never like even watched football. Too busy riding. Same here. I don't. I don't do much sports myself, man. But I was all sports. I just sports throughout life. Older brothers, and that's what we all did. So. Oh yeah. Right on, Daniel. I enjoyed it. You jock. Okay, I graduated in '87. So, you know, okay, and I was 17. So in high school, you had the stoners. What's up, Puff? And you had the jocks. You. So. What? They hated us. No, they did. The stoners and jocks hated us. We go to school because they, we were different. We rode bikes and there was a little skate crew mm-hmm. and like we were, it was really small. And it's kind of funny because as time went on, bikers turned into stoners and jocks. Because you got the uh-huh. guys that compete and they work out a lot and they do this. And then you got the industry where they're always like, you know, not all, not everybody, but you know, there's a group of guys. Mm-hmm. They, they may get high and do this. And in my head, I'm cracking up. I'm like... <laughs> These two groups of people hated us, you know. What has my sport become, man? <laughs> so growing up in Missouri, how did you get into BMX? I don't even know. I swear to gosh, dude. Like, I got a bike from a garage sale. Uh, I grew up a uh, single parent. My mom worked nights in a factory. 
we'd come home from school, uh, she'd be going to work. And so uh, I, I basically just like was out riding, you know, and we would jump and just do stuff in the neighborhood. And then I found a magazine and it's the California Dream was started right then. You know, because they had all the skate parks and they had mm-hmm. the lifestyle and the, you know, the, the beach and the girls and all that stuff. And I'm sitting in the fucking snow, you know what I mean, in Missouri. No disrespect on Missouri, you know, but like I learned a lot from there. But like I just started riding because I just wanted to feel, actually feel alive. Because other... your dad leaves you, your mom works in yeah. a factory. You know what I mean? You, I don't know. It just made me, uh, sorry to cut you off, but it just made me feel like I had a purpose. And that sounds kind of weird. And I was like 11, so. Were there other kids riding at the time? No, I mean, it was just local kids in the neighbor. I mean, I don't even remember those guys. Those kids from elementary school trying to do willies and jump curbs and stuff. And so they would go inside early at night. But my mom worked nights, so mm-hmm. I'd just stay riding, you know what I mean? Just trying to jump stuff and do whatever. But a side note, something that, to help answer that question, is my best friend is Dennis McCoy, which is like OG legend, BMX props to DMC. He was the first... A pro outside of California to be sponsored and that was like 85 84 85 so most of BMX was all California in the beginning mm-hmm. and people did it so when I grew up at that age we didn't even really know what the term was we were just I just found just it was having a good time it was just the quickest thing to get out of the house and go feel good about yourself and that's why I did it you know did your mom support when you made that decision to be your profession I rode 14 years before I actually got a sponsorship salary. And I, I worked in an olive garden for seven years. I bus tables, I lived in my mom's basement. I didn't have a car, I rode my bike to work. I graduated from high school. I got a brand new bike uh, instead of a car and all this. And it's just, I didn't even really know what I was going after. I just liked to ride. I mean, real, realistically, like I didn't really wasn't born into it. My family didn't, they're Midwest factory families. And she didn't like to see me get hurt, but she supported me because I wasn't out causing trouble. And I was, you know what I mean? Right. But no one understood it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think at one point in time, my mom's like, you should quit riding and come work at the factory. And I was like, fuck no, no way. I'm not doing it. It's, it's that what you saw a lot of your friends kind of fall into growing up some of them some yeah. of them but a lot of them actually just you know uh, ended up doing drugs selling drugs ended up in jail mm. restless too much time on their hands uh kids that are early age but see what happened with me was is i started competing in 85 and by the time 1988 rolled around the sport had peaked out and crashed meaning that like all the bike companies said like peace out and there was no money in the sport the contest mm-hmm. series went away and that's when matt hoffman started his later on like there was nothing left, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And there was no money that you couldn't even get a free bike. Those were the years I was making a name for myself. I started riding in 87, or sorry, working at the Olive Garden in 87. And I did that for seven years, but I rode for Matt Hoffman. And Matt reached a point where I would, I would he would always have shows to do. Mm-hmm. So we'd go do a state fair show for two weeks and then I'd get to come back home and then go back to work. Mm-hmm. Or I'd go down to his house for two weeks and work. And so it wasn't until TV came along with the X Games that everything catapulted and I just never stopped riding. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was getting hurt, paying my own doctor bills, paying my own way to contests. Riding for Matt, the first six years, I didn't make a dime. I just like got a frame, right. you know, I was down. And I was just working towards a goal, but I didn't really even know what the goal was. I just know I didn't want to work at the Olive Garden. <laughs> and you got to do what you loved. Right, just rode because you liked it, that's it. Still, same thing. 
Well, you are a very colorful guy with your tattoos. You too, Puff. Thank you. You got more than I do. No. Get the fuck out of here. Look at your leg. I don't got my legs. You didn't even know I had my legs. Do you have your penis? You? Shh. Does I'll he? Show. Have you have you seen it, bro? No. I'll show it don't to you. Don't lie. You guys are but you guys are a podcast appa- together. But you apparently he's got a massive set of balls, apparently, and it runs in his family. Damn. So it's kinda like a big set, but just like this little thing on top. Like avocados of it. and a mealworm. It's called perching. I guess. You know, kind of like a bird sits on a <laughs> limb. <laughs> Do any of your tattoos have any significance uh, for your children? Yeah, dude. I got Natalie. Is that Natalie right there on my neck? Or Kenter? That says Moticia. No, does it? That's, <laughs> no, that's Natalie. And Kenter. Yes. And then I got her portrait on my calf. And I got, I'm going to get his portrait next. But yeah, I got their names. And then I asked my daughter, I said, do you think you get tattoos one day? She said, yeah. I said, well, do your thing. Like, just think about it. I asked my son. He's like, no. I'm like, all right, do your thing. Like, I'm that kind of dad. Like, for them to be successful, I'm teaching them what works for me. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that they have to ride bikes to be successful or they have to do this. You know, they have to. And you start planting those seeds, man. Absolutely. I keep saying stuff like, yo, I ain't going to be paying your bills your whole life. I mean, I'm being real. Like, I'm, that, that's, you're doing your kid a favor by saying of that. Of course you are. Oh, exactly. You want a 50-year-old that lives at home and never left. And then his mom died, and he doesn't even know how to pump gas in a car. And it's like you destroyed this person. He never got to live. doesn't mean he won't help him. Right. But it's your job to say, yo, spread your wings, dude. I'm yeah. going to miss the shit out of you, but I'm tired of doing your laundry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to comment on this because I tapped into something in my own head. People always say that all the time. It's like, I bet you can't wait till your kids get older. And this, I was like, no, I think for me, I love my kids so much. The hardest part about being a parent, I haven't had yet. What it's going to be is when they leave mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I love them that much. I've committed that much of my life to them. I've purposely been single. I've, I've, everything's revolved around them in the sense of being a, a great father, having him 80% of the time for so many years. So I think that's the hardest part for me. I don't, you didn't ask that, but I'm going to tell you anyways. I think we all worry about that as parents, like the day you're going to have to let him go and just, and just hope that like you instilled enough in them yeah. that mm-hmm. they can take it and run with it. And, and Well, they'll come back and they'll be like, hey, whatever. But I was kind of like that with my mom. I was like, I lived at home until I was about 23. And then I was like, it's time, you know, I got, I got to do my own thing. I got to like, because I didn't, I want to feel, I want to earn my shit. You know what I mean? Can't keep this bird caged, right? No, dude, like free bird <laughs> all day, you know? <laughs> what you doing about some free bird? Dude, for, Puff, how old are you? Next question. Because I was listening to free bird probably <laughs> when your parents made you, okay? <laughs> I think they were listening to it as well. Yeah. And this bird you cannot change. Every kid has ADD. Oh, yeah. You want to know why? We have information overload. Even adults, we're swiping all day long. Fink, 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 fink. Are you kidding me? Every kid has it. They have to have some degree of it if they have mm-hmm. a phone. Oh, I agree. Or even if they have cable TV. We had four channels growing up, and the shit went off the air at like midnight. Yep. No bullshit. And the now they have screen. like 180 channels, everything on Amazon Prime, Netflix, 24 hours. Oh, it's, of course it's they nuts, have ADD. Yeah. So what was your question? Because I have ADD. <laughs> so, or what's ADHD? Is that the yuppie? Is that the yuppie version of that shit? Yeah, that's the yuppie version. I'm white trash. ADD. Keep it reals. <laughs> Raising your kids, Rick, would you have done anything differently so far? No, no, I wouldn't have. There's been times where I'd be like, "Damn, man, I feel kind of bad for tearing into him about something," but then I'd be like, "That's my job." Like, like I wish someone would have. T- 
tore into me, meaning tearing into is just like, yo, like, you know, we're all parents and like you, you have to be an, you have the authority of your house. You can't mm -hmm. have, let the kid have the authority. Of course. And at times, like, I would be like, yo, and then I, and then honestly, man, I would just pray about it and be like, oh man, like, I'm just like, I'm just being a dad. And it was new to me because I never had a dad do that to me. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I don't know. I wouldn't regret doing any. I mean, probably not having them in private school all those years because they give you too much homework in private school. Mm -hmm. You got to pay to go. And every day you go to private school, they want more money. If I can get back all the money I spent on private school, bruh. My kid goes to a private school. I know exactly what you're talking about. Every fundraiser, every it's other bullshit. week. And if you don't sell the chocolate, you have to pay for it all. After tuition, it's after bullshit. service hours, it's crazy. It's, okay, one thing crazy. I would regret doing is I wouldn't have joined Girl Scouts. Because I had to go to all the meetings. And then I got stuck with like 50 boxes of cookies. Now hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. And some of my listeners would be like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Say whatever you want. This is the reality. What does it teach your kid? To work for someone as a sucker? Now, follow me. Five bucks a box. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Okay, cool. Takes a dollar to make. Troop gets a dollar off each box. Girl Scouts get three. But they're not selling it. They put these kids in the corner to sell them. So what's that teach your kid? To work hard and make a little? We're out. We're about making money. <laughs> Boom. Later, Girl Scouts. So I would regret putting her in the Girl Scouts, man, because I had to go door to door and sell 50 boxes of cookies with a tattooed head, and people didn't want to answer their door. You know, okay, do you understand? I love your Girl Scouts, but it's not for us. Well, so divorce. Yeah. What happened in any tips for keeping your kids balanced? Well, I've been married three times and people say, you know, don't give up Tony. And I'm like, okay, is it three strike, third time's a charm or three strikes and you're out? My ass is out. Divorce, I set my kids down. Me and their mom get along. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The thing is, is that when you get in a divorce, I, I, look, dude, everybody's story is different. You know, there's no like fucking, there's no like uh, template of like divorce. The, what happens everybody's everybody's relationships different and the the challenges everybody faces is different but in my case i knew what it was like to have just one parent so in a sense and i say this nicely the reasons why we got divorced were more on her end mm -hmm. period not that i was a saint but if you were to, to weigh it out and i told myself like this is a big challenge for me to learn to forgive and accept for my kids. Mm -hmm. Because realistically, like, if you don't have kids with someone and you get divorced or you break up, you really don't talk to them anymore. You really don't have a reason to. Right. You just don't. And so, I mean, you can, but most people don't, or maybe uh, I don't, but whatever. And so what I did is I set my kids down and I told them that it wasn't their fault. Because see, I, I, I and nothing against my mom or my situation, because I love my mother and like, I'm not in, no blaming, none of the bullshit. Mm -hmm. But I felt like I had a lot of guilt from that right. because no one ever told me that and I didn't understand it. And so what I did is I just set my kids down and I said, look, it's not your fault. Me and their mom have had some differences and we may bicker and fight, but we don't live with each other and it lasts like five minutes and then we're kind of like over it and then we're, we get along. I think my kids have seen me be, and, and their mom, be strong enough to make it about them and not keep the resentfulness because like if you if your resentfulness about like keeping your kids away from somebody you're really damaging the kids you're not profiting any on your end 
that means that you can't figure out your anger and you can't let go of your anger and resentments. And it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do, but when you think in terms of out, off of outside of yourself mm-hmm. and you think about how it's going to affect your children, then you have a different perspective on it. I know how I felt like by, by everything that I heard and I want to make it to where my kids don't feel that because there's a lot of things I had to overcome with that self guilt. Right. And one of them was being married three times. See, my problem was is that I was afraid to be alone. I was a people pleaser and I had self guilt. So I've even had to check the people pleasing with my children because that's just as bad damaging. Mm-hmm. And, and as I changed and how I changed was I would listen to audiobooks at night because your subconscious mind doesn't go to bed. So when I was honest with myself, that's the, the first thing you have to do is the, the things you have to change about you. And then you look for literature that you could read or listen to. And then you start to program your brain in a different way, mm-hmm. right? Those are the things I had to, you know, by telling them that and just being friends with their mom and forgiving her and not having regrets, things were a lot easier. And they're a lot easier on my kids. Gotcha. And I say it all the time to them. I'm like, yeah, your mom lives there and I live here. I wish it would have worked, but it didn't. But at least we're still friends. And guess what? We're both still in your life. She's there. I'm here. We get along. She's happy with her boyfriend. I'm happy being single raising you. You guys got an ideal situation. Oh, could, exactly. It could be like, screw you. I ain't see your mama. Or mm-hmm. it could be like, I ain't dealing with my kids. You take them. I'll just pay a bunch of child support. I know dudes like that. Oh, yeah. I pay 10 grand a month, man. And I see my kids every other weekend. It's like, you're not really like... a that i mean i guess but you chose that but if you would have fought that more you probably could have gotten more custody i got a quick follow-up question with this and just because i'm going through a divorce myself yeah and kind of new to this with children how do you manage your holidays and special events after divorce me and my ex are cool with it like I, it's funny you ask that because i said who's got them for thanksgiving i had them last she goes i do all right cool who's got them for halloween yeah naturally since i had the kids more for years and I have a different set of rules in my house. Their mom has a different set of rules in her house. They like to be with me a lot because I have an exciting lifestyle and, and I, I allow them to do maybe some things their mom won't let them do. That's one thing with us not being together, we don't have to fight about, but it kind of comes back. We go back and forth. But as far as holidays, we're pretty chill. You know, like, I mean, we, we kind of keep it balanced with the kids. I mean, me and her have a pretty cool relationship as much as like we both have talked and said, yo, this is for the sake of the kids. And I'm glad she's happy. And I'm actually really like glad that, that we aren't together because I changed. Stay rad. Yes. How did that come about? And like, what does it mean to you personally? Is that like your tagline? Is that it like is. your mantra? It is. Basically, it's like going through everything you go through in life, no matter what happens to you, it's not the end of the world. Things happen, you know, to say, oh, things happen for a reason. I'm not like that, that corny thing, but like, in a sense, things do happen and it's how you handle them. But just keeping the mindset, you know what I mean? The mindset of like doing, feeling like good about yourself, doing things that make you feel good about yourself. Don't just go get, don't get all fucked up and drunk and shit and make you crazy and blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it if that's your deal, but at the same time, don't forget to work on things yourself that really solely make you feel good on the inside. And that's where that came from. Through everything that I've been through, it just came to me one day. And I was like, it wasn't even like a planned thing. I just started saying, stay rad. And we used to write that down when we would, when we would sign autographs. You know, I'd be like, what's your name? Blah, 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 stay rad, stay rad. I'd always write that. And then one day, I mean, years ago, we're talking like so many years ago. And then just one day I just started just saying it and tagging it because I was reminding myself See, a lot of times, if you look at my old Instagram, 
you'll see these big long rants about like, and it's, it's you're preaching, people say, quit preaching. And I'm like, oh, well, if I preach negative shit, you'll love me more. But the thing was, I was reminding myself. And once I got all the tools I needed, I didn't have to do those long things again. So anytime I see someone post something really long on Instagram, I say to myself, oh, that person's saying what he wants to achieve and get to. Right on. Because that's what you're projecting, you know? Mm -hmm. So Stay Rad just kind of came through that time where I spent three years or so uh, working on myself, um, you know, trying my best to uh, uh, reprogram the way that things that I was taught. And that just kind of came to me as like, I gotta stay rad, dude. I gotta stay rad. I got kids. I gotta keep my riding up, keep my stuff up. So it's kind of what it means is just more like, like uh, uh, to find that that inner inner happiness to feel good about yourself, you know. Right on. Yeah, yeah that, that's awesome, man. That's that's really cool. It's yeah, just, man. No matter what happens, you stay rad and just keep moving. Keep stay rad. It's a state of mind. But I always say this: what you say and what you think is what you get, good or bad, because your subconscious mind is always listening. So even if you say something like, "Oh, dude." I suck. Your subconscious mind doesn't know you're joking. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have oh, to totally. tell your subconscious. So you ever met the person that goes, how you doing, buddy? They go, oh, I feel kind of, I, I think I'm going to be sick. Bet your ass, two days later, they're sick because their subconscious mind sought sickness for them. So I, I challenged this after I learned this. Mm -hmm. I said, I want to get a Jeep. I want a Jeep. All I'm going to think about is a Jeep. I want a Jeep. I want a fucking Jeep. Jeep. You ever been like get driving and the only thing you see is a Jeep? Oh yeah. Oh, That's yeah. your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind only picks up on what you tell it. Now, simple, simple task, right? It kind of is, but we get blocked with all this other shit in life. And so I started to say the same with stay rad was something I would tell myself. And then that's how I saw things. My projection was seeing rad shit. If I said stay sad, then everything I'd see would be like sad. Right. Because yeah. like you could look at this this bottle of water and be like, oh, that, I bet you that tastes so good because I'm positive and mm, man. And then another dude could be like, I bet you that tastes like shit because everything in life sucks and my life's miserable. It's all projection. It's all oh, perception. I, agree. I know a lot of people like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all perception. So when your perception about yourself changes, then you, so the subconscious mind really does work like that. It's a trip. Like learning that and being able to control your subconscious and talk to it. It's fucking, I know I sound like a loony bin, but I'm telling you, it works. No, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. It's true. I mean, it's really what, what you project for yourself can happen as long as you, you stick to it and you really, you know, I know it sounds totally cheesy as long as you believe, you know, but it's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, that came from somewhere. It wasn't just made up. Yeah. You know? and, and also too, you know, getting divorced and all that is you got to remember there's 7 billion people in this world and there's more women, I think, than men. And move on the, the reality is you'll meet someone else like if you want to there's enough people in the world already and and, and i know that sounds really cold-hearted but that's like it's true but like if someone doesn't want you you can't sit around wanting them back it's like you're wasting your own time you're just gonna you know spin what i mean the wheels you know you're like oh i wish you'd come back i'm gonna just sit here and just she does not live what the hell screw that like you're lost keep moving right. but i didn't talk like this before and that was over the years of therapy, self-therapy. I didn't go to see a counselor. I didn't see a psychologist. What projects are you currently working on? I know that like for you, you're constantly in the middle of a ton of stuff. I mean, I looked at your website and, and your accolades and everything you've gotten into movies, you know, you have a band and all that, but like, yep. what are you currently working on? My band for sure. I just finished a new song two days ago called Plastic Society. And it's basically about people that don't deal with like being afraid of judge, being judged, uh, saying, and doing the right thing 
uh, but they're not really expressing themselves. And then they're like, they're more, more uh, at least in the you know, neighborhood that I've moved to, uh, they're more concerned about like just how they are on the outside, not so much on the inside. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting ready to shoot that music video next week. Pool Seekers, we're talking about another season. I'm going to start hosting a show for Inked Magazine uh, online called Common Thread. Start my own podcast with Puff here helping me. Mm -hmm. I just got asked to be in another movie, which is going to be pretty rad. It's got like a lot of like pretty big actors in it. We'll see how that pans out. And what was the name of your band again, Rick? Good Guys in Black. And where can they check you out at? Anywhere, Spotify or iTunes or, or Apple Music or whatever. Or I got a website, goodguysinblack.com. Or Instagram, it's all the same, Good Guys in Black. Very yeah, cool. Check out the song Wake Up. It's pretty badass. Thanks, dude. And I also got, I also got a, a, I'm playing a show at the Viper Room December 10th. It's a ways away. But I haven't played a gig in two years. <laughs> well, just, just remember this, Rick. If nobody's got your back, we've got your back. And you've Damn got straight. us. You know, we could be security at your show. I mean, we're not tiny guys. Thank you so much, Rick, for joining us on the Modern Day Dads podcast. Yeah, brother. Thank you. Rick, your insight was really awesome. And I think it's just, it's great to see that somebody who's been everywhere and done everything really is so level-headed and, and that's really cool. Well, we've just begun. And also I'm going to end it on this. I have uh, about eight boxes of Girl Scout cookies in my car. If you guys want to buy them, <laughs> the troop's going to be pissed. <laughs> All profit for you, right? You've already paid for them, right? No, I have to pay for them oh, if I don't sell them. That's part of the deal, man. That's... Yo, what's up? This is Rick Thorne. You're listening to the Modern Day Dads podcast. Day rad. The limitations go as far as the moon can shine, but the lighting is dying. Never impatient when we're chasing the sky. Hey guys, welcome back to the Modern Day Dads podcast. Thank you so much for Rick for stopping by, and uh, we're looking forward to having him back on the show very, very soon. Had some very powerful points, also. Oh yeah, I agree. I mean, really, really good things to say. And anybody that listens can take a lot of positive from what he said. So very cool. First topic we have today is meet the parents. Growing up, anytime I wanted to go to a friend's house or any of that, and I would ask my mom and my dad, mainly mm -hmm. mom, because dad was always working to provide for us. Thank you, dad. My mom would always say, no, I don't know their parents. I've met their parents. I've met their parents. And for years, it was just like, what the hell, man? These kids are cool. We'll have a good time. We can do our, you know, we're just going to go and play. We're going to go play basketball. We're going to go play video games. Back when the Nintendo system was in, he, my friend always had the new game, so I'd always want to go there. And my mom would always have that same thing. I don't know their parents. Same thing, dude. Same thing. Oddly enough, as you know as a parent, that is going to be one of the first questions I ask. Who are their parents? Absolutely. I want to meet their parents. 100%, dude. We want to discuss parents' awareness of their kids' whereabouts and really the level of supervision where they're at. Mm -hmm. Because... There's a lot of things that are going on these days where kids are exposed to different things and they start getting into things earlier than uh, they did when we were younger. Absolutely. And it scares the crap out of me. I will say this. Thank God that we didn't have MySpace or Instagram or Facebook even growing up, dude. Dude, we had AOL Instant Messenger chat. I had friends that would be on that in the, like, the dating sites and all that, like chatting nonstop. It oh, yeah. It was crazy. Me too. Do you, do you remember your screen name? No. Mine was uh, the domino effect. <laughs> well, this is when they had dial-up, man. So it'd oh, take yeah. forever to get on. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, my God. Yeah, I remember that. That was... that was. I, I would steal all the AOL discs to try to get free internet. <laughs> Kids today have no freaking clue what we dealt with when it came to getting online. Now it's like you can get on your phone. You can, you can do anything. Right. 
Right. That brings us to another good point that even if you meet the parents and stuff, it's good to kind of keep an eye on them socially on these social media platforms and stuff because you never know what's really going on. But if you see a picture, if they say they're going to the mall or something and you see a picture at like a house party or like somewhere else that they're not, that's a good way to keep up with them. That's not really invading privacy, I don't think. They're your child and they're underage. They don't have any privacy, in my opinion. I I, think. I agree. I think they're too young to make those decisions in a lot of ways. I mean, they are getting, you know, kids do get older and they do get a little more mature, but they have to earn that. It's not just given. Of course. I mean, believe me, my son, like I said, he's nine, he's very young, but eventually he's going to become a teenager and I'm going to keep an eye on him like a hawk. Funny thing is, kids think that parents don't know, like we've never been there. Come on. Right, right. We had to find all types of ways to get around, you know, (laughs) to get around that. I don't know. I, I know for me, when Aiden gets a little older, if he ever gets a cell phone, because I am I totally don't agree with that. Although there's a flip side to that. I can see where parents would get a kid a phone because emergency reasons. I think they actually have phones that can only call certain numbers, like a parent's number, an emergency number, and stuff like that. Like, I could see a kid having that. But my kid doesn't need access to the internet 24-7. They don't <laughs> need access to social media and all that crap. The only people they need to call, mom and dad. They're called jitterbugs. Is that what they're called? Well, they're, they're for elderly people. You just press the number one and it calls like that number. Oh, right on. So you program it. So I think it's a jitterbug for like kids or something. Maybe it's called a butterfly. I don't know. But I think that's, I mean, that's useful. Absolutely. Kids are walking on their phones or running right. into things. It's crazy. The upside also to it is with Apple devices, and I'm I'm sure Androids have it also, but they have tracked my iPhone, so you can see where it's at at all times. If they say they're going to the mall and they're actually over at Jimmy's house or whatever, who knows where they could be? But I mean, you know, that keeps a watchful eye on them. Oh, I'm totally going to do that. I mean... Dude, you've got you've got Aiden and you've got Olivia to look after. And who knows what our technology is going to be like when our kids are 15, 16. I would like for them to have a cell phone when the time is right. And then at nighttime, they're going to give dad their cell phone. That makes sense. There's no reason for them to have it at night. They should be studying or sleeping or whatever they're supposed to be doing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like you said, who knows what it's going to be in the future. But like social media right now, I would be stalking my kid to make sure that they're doing what they say they're doing and just to see what they're into. These days, you see young kids posting stuff that they have no business posting. And a lot of it is done because they want to look cool and all that stuff. But it's like... Do they even understand what they're posting, like, actually? Even nowadays, some jobs look at that stuff when it comes to hiring. They look back at history and stuff like that. That can negatively affect them. I know for me, and obviously you can weigh in on this, Puff, I'm going to stalk them. And I know, you know, it's not really stalking because I'm their parent. But, I mean, are you going to do that? Are you going to keep an eye on them? Absolutely. I I know growing up, we had Zanga, Journal, all these online places to to post oh i met a boy online and blah 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 open diary and stuff like that yeah i totally agree i don't think that it's snooping i mean it's parents being parents i think the parents should know what's going on because you look at the bullying stuff that's happening too you have these kids that are reaching out for help and nobody's listening exactly so i mean if you catch it beforehand honestly like real talk you could save somebody's life snooping but it's not snooping. Let's let's change up the word for that. Monitoring? Monitoring. There we go. So in today's day and age with technology advancing so quickly, who knows what 
our kids are going to be into or what they're what kind of devices they're going to have for communication at that point in time i can only hope that it will have twice as much security as we have now. You don't want to be the overbearing parent, but how else are you going to keep your kids safe? There's a, a flip side to that coin. If you right. don't monitor them and something happens, your job as a parent is to protect your kids. So monitoring is not an invasion of privacy. You're just trying to make sure they're safe. Absolutely. And I'm sure with the age that that will change. I think it would be totally different from, say, a seven, eight-year-old, if they have a phone by then, I'm just saying, for security purposes, opposed to a 16 15, 16 year old, because I mean, they're more into boys. They're more into going out more into doing stuff. So I have a friend who works as a, as a school counselor on the East coast. Mm -hmm. And she was telling me that there's so much stuff going on there. That is just insane. People selling drugs and not just, you know, people doing meth, cocaine, sex in the bathroom, stuff like that. And it's, it's, you know, I know that, you know, when we were coming up, that type of stuff was going down. Sure. But as, as a parent of a little girl who's going to get older, that scares the shit out of me in, in like a major way. Absolutely, dude. That is nuts. You better damn believe if I ever find out that my daughter is doing something like that at school, that's her ass. That, oh, yeah. I'm pulling her out, and she is grounded for life. I'm going to homeschool her. No, nah, probably not homeschool her, but she'll never do it again. I guarantee it. Like you said, social media, peer pressure, all that stuff mm -hmm. leads to that type of thing going down. Uh, we actually, you know, we just finished talking with Rick Thorne, and, and he had some really good things to say about that, about mm -hmm. what he does with his daughter and just tells her, you know, you need to value yourself more. Right. You don't have to dress this way or you don't have to act this way in order to be respected. Just because it's online doesn't mean that it's cool. You see these 16, 17, 18-year-old girls posing half nude on Instagram. Or we were at the mall. You and I were at the mall getting stuff for our kids yesterday. We were. And I could not believe the stuff that parents let their kids wear. Those kids couldn't have been more than 9, 10 years old, dude. Asses hanging out of their stuff, midriffs. I saw a girl that was probably 12, 13 wearing a freaking sports bra out. And there's no way in hell as a parent that Olivia will ever, ever wear stuff like that. No, no. And I think it may be a little harder being separated, but if we can co-parent that and we both understand, look, this is the type of people you're going to attract if you wear that type of stuff. And they understand that. I think that she'll value herself more as a girl, as a little girl. I'm not really worried about Olivia. I think that Wendy will set a good example and I will be there to make sure that I drive my point home with her as well, that she right. needs to be respectable, needs to dress appropriate. The girl's mother, she's she dresses very appropriately. Not all, all does she dress scandalous or anything like that or revealing she's very mild in what she wears and very tasteful for her for her age if i could say that and i think the mothers are going to set the example in a lot of ways mm -hmm. obviously we have to be there to reinforce and we have to be on the same page you know right. wendy and i i think are very much on the same page when it comes to that and we're also in the same household so we really have to do this together. It's, it's co-parenting as well. I'm sure it's going to be a journey, but if we can instill these morals and values in her young, when she gets at that age, she won't need an explanation. She'll understand. Oh, or, yeah. or both girls, not oh, just she. Totally, totally. And that's our job. That's the same thing as looking at their social media. It's the same thing as checking their phones. It's our job to protect them and keep them safe and, and show them that the world isn't going to be kind to them. No. So we need to get them set up and get them ready to go. Be respectful. Be respectable. Respect people. Treat them well. Respect yourself. 
Oh, sorry. That was the big one. That's where I was trying to go. <laughs> I just couldn't get it. So be respectful to others. Respect your elders. Respect yourself more. I see where you're going with that, Daniel. You have to be diligent on it, especially with Sid, because she's going to be the example to Charlie. Absolutely. So it's, it's and then Charlie's going to be the example to Olivia. Mon- monkey see, monkey do. Parents, always do your diligence and monitor your children because you never know who they're talking to online or what they're doing when they leave the house. They could say that they're going to the mall, but they're really going over to Ricky's party. So all I'm saying is just check up on them. Don't be their friend in this situation. Be the parent. You know, my dad once told me we were having a conversation about life and and stuff like that. And he said, son, Mm -hmm. do I smell like shit? (laughs) No, that was that was that was before this. Or maybe it was after. I don't know, but he told me, "Son, I will always be your friend, but I will never be your buddy." And I and I remember thinking, "What the hell does that mean?" Now I understand. Right, right. You got to be a parent first before you can be their friend. I agree. I, I that's my honest opinion. And they're going to respect you more for it. Oh, absolutely. You know, you want to be the fun parent, fun parent, and you end up running into trouble with that. That goes a long way towards getting that respect level and teaching them to respect themselves because they're accountable. Well, thank you all for listening to the Modern Day Dads podcast, episode three. We want to say a big thank you to Rick Thorne, our very special guest. If you want to send us any topics, any thoughts on today's podcast, please send us an email at moderndadspodcast at gmail.com. Coming up next week, we have our Halloween Spooktacular with special guest Marty Kleba from Pirates of the Caribbean. Project X, and a lot of other movies you probably know I'm from. We're going to discuss our top five favorite scary movies and top five kid movies for Halloween. Also, we're going to talk about some of those scary subjects that most dads don't want to discuss. Until next time, we'll be changing diapers, making dinner, and just being dads. Thanks for listening. Later, guys. Later, guys.